What's up, everyone? This is your host, Chris, and you are tuned in to Spit That Game. Listen, this is episode two, and I'm logged in right now. Listen, we've got some great conversation today for you about the week eight matchups that took place over the weekend. Who can walk away from this weekend, in my opinion, saying that they are one of the better teams in the country? Who can walk away from this weekend saying that we are a top four team? We're going to go through that. We're going to go through the SEC games that took place. Listen, I need you to just sacrifice at least 25 to 35 minutes of your time. I promise you I will not hold you long. This is your host, Chris. You are now tuned in to Spit That Game. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Chris, and we are back. Listen, we're going to talk these week eight games on today, man. Listen, I enjoyed this weekend of football thoroughly. Um, I was a little bit uh, upset with watching the Alabama game and not necessarily about the game and the way the team played, but I'm mad that I'm not mad. It's just kind of nervous about the Tua injury, man. So we're going to get into that. Let's dive right into today, today's games. Um, we're going to first talk about the Alabama-Tennessee game, of course. Um, Alabama wins that game 35-13. Um, what, what I came away impressed with from that game is watching the Alabama defense again. Um, I was excited to watch them again. Um, that front four is finally getting pressure uh, without extra players blitzing um the front four by itself is doing a great job of holding the line of scrimmage uh alabama gave up a total of 231 yards um 114 yards rushing 117 passing um and i know it was against tennessee but if you look at it as an alabama fan we've been giving up yards to teams that we normally don't give up that many yards to. And it's just an encouraging sign to see uh, that Alabama front four finally get pressure. Terrell Lewis was dominant up front, uh, seven tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks. Anthony Jennings as well on the other side of him. Um, You had some pretty good DB play, a couple of pass interference calls. Um, But as 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 a fan, as a coach, as a coach, I would take a pass interference call that makes sense versus the pass interference calls we normally get at the University of Alabama when the cornerbacks don't turn their head around. So it was pretty encouraging to watch the defense. Defense stepped up where they needed to. The offense, um, the run game stepped up a little bit where it needed to. Got the yardage uh, that they needed at times when they needed to. Um, I like the one-two punch of Brian Robinson and Najee Harris. Really and truly, I feel as if Brian Robinson is our more physical back. Um, uh, Najee Harris is physical as well, but I feel like Brian Robinson is more of a punishing runner. Um, The concerns coming from that game, man, um, Tua getting hurt, twisting his ankle, Uh, Reports have come out of Tuscaloosa on Bleacher Report that uh, he had a surgery and he cannot even start rehab until until, uh, 10 days after his surgery. 
that kind of hurts us as Alabama fans because when you think about uh, the ankle injury that he has now, he had an ankle injury last year where he just wasn't the same tour that we knew um, and, and, and were watching the entire season. So we, you know, hope that he can come back around and he can get healthy by the LSU game. Good news out of Tuscaloosa is that Tua does have a bye week to get healthy, so that's an encouraging sign to see. We don't have to worry about rushing him back. I feel that Mac Jones is enough and that run game at Alabama is enough to beat this Arkansas team. They come into T-Town, so that's an encouraging sign. Moving on to the next game, we're going to talk about the LSU and Mississippi State game. LSU beat Mississippi State 36-13. to um, Watching that game, I kind of figured Mississippi State would come out uh, like they did with a lot of energy, uh, with a lot of enthusiasm. But in the end, it, they just weren't enough for LSU if you watch that game. Um, LSU, Joe Burrow had another awesome game, man. And honestly, right now, um, with Tua getting hurt this week, Joe Burrow, to me, sits at the top of the Heisman candidacy. Um, he's right now, to me, the number one um, player in the Heisman uh, race. Um, Joe Burrow had another good game. Like I said, 327 yards, uh, four touchdowns to four different teammates. Um, LSU's run game only had 86 yards. Um and that's going to be the question for LSU. If the game ever was to come down um, to a time of possession game, can this LSU run game hold down the hold the football long enough to keep teams that can score out of games? Um, they had the ball for 25 minutes. Mississippi State had the ball for 34 minutes. So will LSU, because they score so fast, just like uh, that was the question mark for Alabama, that the defense does not get enough time to rest on the sideline. So that's a big question mark. Uh, remember, Alabama's defense was the same way last year. And also, uh, Alabama's defense, as I believe last year, was not tested enough. And they got tested when they made it to the playoffs. Um so, will this LSU defense um, be able to get enough risk with this offense scoring at a rate that LSU uh, defense is not used to? So, that's something to look for further into down the road, um, closer to the SEC championship, close to the Alabama game, SEC championship, and the playoffs. They got Auburn this week uh, coming up. Uh, going into the um, Florida-South Carolina game, uh, that was a pretty good game um, until the fourth quarter. Um, it, Florida did exactly what I figured they would do. They pulled away late. Um, total yards for Florida was 354. Total yards for South Carolina was 387. Um, here's the thing that Florida needs to worry about. Uh, we know that Georgia is going to be a physical run team, and – Florida gave up 217 rush yards. Now, I have to, you know, excuse Florida a bit because they are not all the way healthy. Uh, Florida is missing a couple of key players on defense. So we must understand that Florida is not all the way healthy on defense. And they also had some players go down during that game. So um, that's something to look at. 
uh, going further and down the road with Florida. They they lost some players um, during the game, and they had already had a couple of injuries um, before the game to two of their key, key defensive players. Um, Feaster gashed them um, pretty much for like 187 yards, I want to say. And then Kyle Trask um, on the offensive side for Florida did a pretty good job. Um, I think that was the big factor with Florida in that LSU game. Um, Dan Mullins did not keep Trask in the game to keep his rhythm going. Um, so that's that's something to look forward to with Florida. Will uh, Dan Mullins allow Trask to uh, be the quarterback for the team and not rely on on Emory Jones to come in and make plays as a freshman. Uh, moving on, moving on, uh, the Auburn and Arkansas game. Auburn and Arkansas game. Auburn came out and played uh, better than I thought they would. Um, they, a total yards of 491 yards. Uh, they looked like the Auburn of old, uh, running the ball for – uh, two yards away from 300 yards rushing, um, 193 yards passing for Bo Nix, which is the typical Gus Malzahn offense. Um, Bo Nix is going to try to stretch the field with the pass. Um, I think they did an awesome job of establishing the run that game. The defense did an awesome job of shutting Arkansas down, uh, holding them to 234 yards. Uh, Derrick Brown was just a man in the middle, as always. Uh, Bo Nix uh, had some great improvement that game. Um, watching that game, Bo Nix looked a lot better. The biggest uh, thing with Bo Nix and watching Bo Nix is Seth Williams. Seth Williams is always the guy he's throwing the ball to. Um, what happens when, when Seth Williams is not there for Bo Nix? And I think that's why he panics a lot of times in games because I think watching Gus Malzahn's offense over the years, not just this year, but the quarterback has one read from a play action. Um, and if that read is not there, pretty much, you know, there's nothing else there. The quarterback either has to run or throw it away. Um, and – Seth Williams has has been a big part of this Auburn offense. I, I can tell you, I feel like if Seth Williams Seth Williams was in a different offensive system, um, he would flourish. He would really flourish as a receiver. I mean, he's flourishing now in the Auburn system, but just imagine him in a spread offense, that big six three frame. Um, that I mean, the guy can he he can do some damage in an offense that's built uh, for receivers. Um, so Auburn looked good. Going, question marks going into the LSU game. We'll deal with that um, in the next episode uh, because that's that's where I'm going to do my predictions. But I feel like Auburn's defense can go into that game feeling good. The biggest question mark would be the secondary going against that LSU receiving core. So um, I feel that – Auburn can go into Baton Rouge um, with their heads up, ready to play football, depending on how the freshman mindset and freshman's mindset is in Bo Nix. Um, so that was a pretty good game um, that Auburn played Saturday, uh, won convincingly. 
and did not go in there to play around with Arkansas. Um, moving ahead, uh, the Georgia game, the Georgia game. Georgia and Kentucky, 21-0. Um, it was a nasty game. It was a wet game. It was a, you know, wasn't a sloppy game, not too many turnovers. But it's not much passing you can do in weather like that. Um, Jake Fromm threw the ball 12 times, I think, for like 35 yards. Um, Georgia did establish the run this game. Um, they ran the ball for 235 yards. Um, and building up, you know, a week away um, after Saturday from the Florida game, uh, that's an encouraging sign for Georgia. But what's also encouraging is Florida is running the ball a little bit better as well. Um, DeAndre Swift had a pretty good game. Um, Kentucky rushed for 160 yards. But as I said, that was one of those games where you sit on TV and you watch it and the game gets kind of boring after a while because it's so wet and you're not seeing any plays being made down the field. That's the biggest question mark for Georgia. Um, will they be able to make plays downfield down the road? Um, that was my biggest um point with Georgia this year is that they lost a lot of receivers last year and they have a young receiver group. Um, so what can Georgia stretch the field uh, that I thought the Kentucky game was going to be a game where they could test the waters a little bit, try to stretch the field. But once again, the weather did not permit them to do that. It was a wet and just, just sloppy game um, field wise, field wise. Uh, and 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 just getting off topic for a minute, man. I I've been reading reports and the Florida AD. I like what he did today on Twitter. Uh, he he basically used his Twitter to set home and home series with the Power Five um, conferences. He was he he basically tweeted attention ads from the ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, or Pac Twelve. Um, Gators football is looking to add additional home-and-home home series against Power 5 opponents. Um, let's connect and schedule quality games the fans want to see. Now, me as a fan, man, I I, um, I can honestly say that would be some good football. If the Power 5 conferences can get together and schedule home-and-home home games, it, it doesn't even have to be an entire schedule. And I like what Nick Saban said early in the year. If I could play a ranked team every week, I would. Um, so let's let's try to push for these teams. And, and I know um, everybody says Alabama has a weak schedule. But, hey, South Carolina beat Georgia. Um, you can lose on any given Saturday. Uh, but it's just the fact that, yes, we would like to see more competitive game. Now, one thing I learned is you cannot help who your conference is who's in your conference when you're playing against them, the Arkansas, the Ole Misses. The, those were teams that were once um, tough competition. So when they had, like Arkansas, when they had uh, Bobby Petrino and they had Ryan Mallett and they had, um, you know, uh, an offense worth uh, competing against. Um, back when Ole Miss, when, when – um, Hugh Freeze were there, um, and before the Ole Miss scandal, when well, when, when we when before they found out about the Ole Miss scandal, when Ole Miss was paying players, and I knew they were paying players, man. No, who? First of all, nobody wanted to go to Ole Miss, so I I kind of figured money was involved in that stuff. 
but the Florida AD has the right mindset. Also, there were other reports that, um, and and I, I really don't believe this, that Florida State is looking to Urban Meyer for uh, their coaching position if they fire Taggart. Listen, I, I know I'm getting off subject. I know I'm going left field and not finishing the games, but I'll finish those in a minute. I really doubt that Urban Meyer goes to Florida State, being that he has a legacy at Florida University, and you don't want to tarnish that legacy by going to play for the in-state rival. Also, I feel more so Urban would come back to coaching if the USC job was to open up or the Notre Dame job. Uh, one of those two jobs would be a better fit for for Urban Meyer because he did coach out in the West Coast once upon a time at Utah. So I feel as if that's where he would wind up. But back on subject, back on topic, back to the SEC games. Um, after the Georgia and Kentucky game, we're going to talk Texas A&M. Texas A&M versus Ole Miss. Texas A&M wins this game 24-17. to 17. Um I was not impressed watching Texas A&M this game once again. Um, it was my belief that Texas A&M was going to be much better this year. And that's just my opinion. I'm pretty sure a lot of people in the SEC felt the same way, that this could have been the year maybe that Texas A&M turns the corner, uh, that Kellen Mond turns the corner. And in the first game, he looked pretty impressive. But against the Ole Miss team, man, uh, you give up 250 rushing yards, 155 passing yards to a freshman. Um, Kellen Mond threw two more interceptions. Um, I just I'm, – I'm, I like Jimbo Fisher, um, but he has to get it together or he doesn't have long at Texas A&M. And I, that's just my opinion. Um, I think they're going to give him another year, maybe year and a half, um, to get everything together. And if he's not even in the running to play for the SEC championship by next year, I think Jimbo's time would probably be up in um, College Station if he doesn't get together. He's putting together the recruiting classes. He's putting together the recruits, uh, the players. I just think he's probably a year away from turning the corner. So I think they give him another year in College Station. Besides, they're paying him too much money for him not to be winning, to tell you the truth. So Jimbo needs to get it together uh, big time or – there's going to be a firing in College Station. By the way, the question mark would be, who would take that job if Jimbo were to be fired in uh, College Station? Who would uh, Texas A&M look to hire? Uh, the next game, the disappointing game, was the Missouri-Vanderbilt game. I bragged on Missouri's defense. Uh, the defense, they played okay, uh, but the offense sucked. Um Kelly Bryant did not have a good game. He looked like the Kelly Bryant of old at Clemson, uh, 13 for 26, um, 140 passing yards, and an interception thrown. Uh, Derek Mason feeling pretty good after that game. I really don't want to talk much about that game. Um, just that Missouri should have won that game, and they went into – Vanderbilt and loss. So, yeah, that's that. Um, on to the next subject. Uh, the Oregon versus Washington game. 
Oregon versus Washington. Listen, that was a pretty good game. Um, watching that game, uh, Oregon fought back. Oregon fought back in that game. Um, they were down at one point, um, and the leadership of Justin Herbert um, showed itself. Uh, he brought his team back, 280 passing yards. Um, you can't ask for more from a player, 154 rushing yards. Um, he just had a pretty good game, pretty efficient game, uh, 24 for 38, um, four touchdown passes, 80 uh, a QBR of 80. So that was a pretty good game. But Jacob Eason, Eason played pretty well too. Great and uh, great and uh, he had an efficient game. Uh, 23 uh, for 30, uh, 289 yards, three touchdowns. And here's my uh, take on the Jacob Eason situation. I feel that if he does not get hurt while he's in Athens, then Jake Fromm is at a different school playing. And that's just my opinion because Jake Jacob Eason made some passes in that game, man, that, that wowed me a little bit. Um, Jacob Eason is, is, is a pretty good quarterback. He's, he's good. He has a strong arm. He's accurate. Watch this and 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 take this as my prediction. Um, listen to these words. Jacob Eason will be, if he comes out of the draft, if he stays in college one more year, he'll be a top quarterback coming out of the draft next year. Not in the 2020 draft, but in the 2021 draft, Jacob Eason is going to be a top quarterback uh, coming into the going into the draft of the 2021 class. If he stays, he, if he doesn't stay, I say he's a easily probably a third to fifth round pick right now. He stays another year. Jacob Eason is going to be the top quarterback coming out of that 2021 class. But I'm, I say the top quarterback, but I'll have to evaluate other quarterbacks as well. Um, watching the – moving on, moving on, moving on. Sorry, guys. Had a brain uh, freeze, fart for a minute. Um, moving on um, – Penn State, Michigan game. Penn State versus Michigan. Um, Penn State jumped out on top of Michigan. Um, 21-0. And watching that game, uh, Michigan fought back. They, 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 they really fought back and played really well. Um, Penn State has to show some more maturity than that. You can't jump on a team like that and um, allow them to fight back and almost uh, come back to tie the game. Uh, looking at the stats, um, I'm surprised Penn State came out with a win. Michigan outgained them um, by 100 and, I want to say, 34 yards. Um, Michigan killed them in the time of possession by 15 minutes and 30 seconds. So uh, Penn State um, has to get that defense off of the field. Um, and Michigan did a good job of keeping that defense on the field, but they just could not capitalize and win the game. Um, but my question is now, is Harbaugh on the hot seat? Um, that's been the question all year for the Michigan uh, fan base, for the Michigan uh, football team, that's been the question. And 
I'm going to say it again, as I've said before, Harbaugh likes to worry about the SEC and calling the SEC cheaters. But, I mean, you can't even win in the Big Ten, man. So, like, you got to figure out what you want to do. You Do you want to focus on the SEC or do you want to beat Ohio State? And I feel like right now Harbaugh is pretty much on the hot seat um, in Ann Arbor. Um, and I believe it's just a matter of time for him as well. Mind you, I mean, he's averaging – uh, what, 10 wins, but that's that's just not enough for the Michigan uh, fan base. They didn't bring him into Ann Arbor to lose. They brought him in to win conference championships and national championships, and that just not has that, – that has just not fared well for them so far. So I believe Jim Harbaugh has to get it together, and he has to get it together soon. I say this, if he beats Ohio State – this year, you live to fight another day, but I really just don't see that happening right now. Ohio State, to me, in, in and, and this is my prediction, if Tua comes back healthy and has finished the season out strong, Alabama wins the national championship. But if Alabama loses and doesn't make the playoffs, Ohio State wins the championship. Uh, right now, that team is just, I mean – it's hard to beat them. They they can run, they can pass, they play the heck out of defense. Like they're 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 good from the first level to the third level, and they're elite on each level. So I feel that Ohio State right now is the team to beat in the country. Um, after the Alabama Crimson Tide, of course, and I'm not being biased, but I just believe Alabama is better than they've been playing and they've been showing. Um, especially seeing that the defense has improved with that front four. Uh, and we've also got a pretty good secondary ourselves if we can just continue to um, play lockdown football on the, on, on, the, um, on the islands that Nick puts his players on and learn how to turn our heads. I believe our DBs can cover with anybody if they are disciplined. Um, but back to the regular schedule program. The last game I want to deal with is the Baylor Bears. Uh, the Baylor Bears beat the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now listen to this. The Baylor Bears are 7-0. and And honestly, right now, they are exciting to watch. Uh, remember the RG3 days, the Bryce Petty days? I mean, those were the Baylor teams we like to watch. And they're becoming exciting to watch again. Um, they're winning and they're winning on defense. Like Baylor, Baylor has one of the top defenses in the country. Uh, Baylor is, is, is looking pretty good this year. I think that Baylor and Oklahoma game is going to be a good one. If both of them come into that game undefeated, that's going to be the game to watch. I say put that game on prime time and let's watch those two teams duke it out. Um, so yeah, I, I think Baylor wins, but, um, uh, not Baylor wins, but I think if Baylor continues to win, they go into the Oklahoma game. Uh, the winner of that game will make the playoffs. If they both are undefeated, uh, the winner of that game will make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. But that is our time today, man. Listen, uh, I've enjoyed these past 30 minutes, these past 28, 29, 30 minutes however long we've been going. But before I leave you today, I do want to give you a quote because each day we're going to try to end the show with a quote. 
um, with a quote uh, that's going to encourage you, that's going to push you forward, that's going to allow you to get through your day. Um, and this is my quote for this day. Uh, the quote of the day is the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. And the great Vince Lombardi was the one to say that. So that's basically telling us, man, that we need to understand that success does not come without work first. So if you want success, you've got to work hard. You've got to grind those late nights that you feel like you want to go to sleep. No, you've got to grind through that tired tired moment, grind through the sleepy moments, grind through the moments of saying, I don't want to do this. You have to push through, press through, and I promise you success will find you. Thank you for tuning in and sacrificing your past 30 minutes with me, Chris Crumb, and I am your host. This is Spit That Game. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.